Let's pray. Lord God, we come now to open Your Word. And Father, we pray that as we open Your Word, as we read it, as we hear it proclaimed, that Your Holy Spirit would help us in our understanding. Father, without Your Holy Spirit, we understand nothing You say to us here today. And we we ask and plead with Him to give us that understanding we need. We ask and pray, O God, that You would be magnified and glorified, that the Lord Jesus would be magnified and glorified through preaching. And that the foolishness of the message preached, that through that foolishness You would save Your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians 11, we'll begin at verse 5 and we'll read through verse 15. Here now the Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Indeed, I, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. After a brief detour last week, we come back. 
This morning to 2 Corinthians and two Lord's Day mornings ago, we looked at the first four verses of this chapter. Again, Paul is dealing with the false apostles that had, had really taken root in the church of Corinth. Two weeks ago, we heard of Paul's jealousy. He actually asked the Corinthians to engage with him in a little foolishness. He was jealous for the Corinthians as a husband is for his wife, as a father is for his daughter, whom he gives in marriage. We heard of Paul's fear. What was his fear? His fear was that the the false apostles would, would be able to win the Corinthians over. That they would believe the lies that they were saying concerning Paul. And so the danger was this. That, that, they would, that they would drift away from Christ. And that they really would believe another gospel. Which is no gospel at all. And so the Corinthians are in great danger. The Corinthian church, they were allowing men who called themselves apostles to preach another gospel different from the true gospel that Paul and his associates came preaching. And that is a danger that every church is in. How many times do we believe that the the defense of the church is solely uh, upon the elders? And we are the front line. The elders, we are the front line of defense But as Paul wants the Corinthians to see, we need to see as well that every one of us here this morning, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are keeping such false teachers out. It was the true gospel that Paul preached. It is the true gospel that is proclaimed in this church, it is the true gospel of Jesus Christ that God uses to bring His elect to faith in Christ. And let us never, as I have said before, let us never grow tired or grow old uh, of hearing the gospel. Because if we grow tired of it, if we grow old of hearing what Christ has done for us in His life, death, and resurrection, then we will be in great danger of forgetting the gospel that God used to save us. Now that danger is what Satan desires to do. As Paul reminds us this morning, there is someone else behind these men. It is the prince of darkness. It is Satan himself. And you see, Satan desires to bring false teaching and false teachers into the church in order to lead the people of God away from Christ and and, and if possible to deceive even the elect of God. Satan seeks the destruction of the church. He seeks the destruction of this church. And he will do whatever he can. He, he will try to destroy every visible church of Christ by any means necessary. But thanks be to God, 
that Jesus tells us, as he told his apostles, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church is victorious. Again, in the end, we win. And so Paul wants the Corinthians to know the danger that they are in. And so he continues his attack on these false teachers, on these false apostles. And it's time for the church to continue their attack on the false teachings and apostles of this world. Paul goes on the offensive, not the defensive. It is time because the the very souls and lives of the Corinthians are at stake. And so there are three things that we learned this morning uh, concerning Paul, but also concerning these false apostles. The first two concerning Paul and his ministry. The last concerning the false apostles. And the first is this. Paul is not inferior. In verse 5 he says, Indeed, I, I, consider, I consider that I am not the least and the least inferior to these super apostles. That's probably safe for all of us to say from time to time we have an inferiority complex. We do not think we're good enough or smart enough or, or that people like us. But Paul knew who he was. Paul knew that he had been called by Christ. And he was not inferior to these men. He compares himself with these false teachers who, and he, he, he calls them super apostles. That is not a compliment, by the way. He's making fun of them. Again, sometimes we Christians need to lighten up and, and understand the humor we find in Scripture and, 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 and understand the sarcasm. Sarcasm can be a bad thing, but sometimes it can be a really good thing. And here is Paul, and he says, Oh, I I am not inferior to these so-called super uh, apostles. Now, the very expression super apostles brings out the impossible nature of such apostles. Because being an apostle of Jesus is in itself incomparable. No one but Jesus appointed the apostles. No one appointed the twelve apostles. And we know that Matthias was chosen by who? By Jesus. Even though he had ascended through his church to succeed Judas. And, And even Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so Jesus commissioned no successors to these men. There are no apostles today. Now there are men and women who claim to be apostles. We might want to call them super apostles because they're so much greater than the ordinary preacher of the gospel. But we are not inferior. Such men and women are deceived. They they have not been called by Christ. They they have not even been called to preach, much less be be an apostle. You see, the the apostolate is unrepeatable. It is untransferable. And, And Paul here, he's saying, oh, these super apostles. But they're not apostles at all. They are not identified with the apostles of Jerusalem and Paul says we must associate them with the false apostles. 
They will mention in verse 13. But he goes on in verse, uh, uh, verse 6. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Now one accusation that these super apostles made against Paul was that he was not a great orator. He was not a great speaker. Now I can, I can relate to Paul. Uh, I can relate really, really well with the apostle in, in this regard. But Paul had a knowledge. He was not unskilled in knowledge. He knew the Scriptures. Indeed, in every way, he, he, they had made this plain to the Corinthians. You see, what that, that accusation was against Paul by the super apostles. Oh, he, he cannot, he doesn't speak well. Now, what, what is the purpose of preaching? What is the, the purpose of, of a man preaching the Word of God? It is so that you might have a knowledge of Christ and the gospel. It is so that you might understand better the Bible and the Word of God. It is so that you might come to Christ if you have never come to Christ as you are confronted with the gospel itself. And guess what? Every preacher, every minister is different. But one is not inferior to another. Paul was not inferior to these men. As Simon Kistemacher puts it, the apostle was an amateur in oratory, but a genius in factual and spiritual knowledge. And you see, this is what the Corinthians learned as Paul preached, that he knew the Bible, that he knew God, that he knew the Lord Jesus. And so Paul's message of spiritual truth is received by believers, but we know also rejected by unbelievers. And so that's the, the first thing we, we hear about this morning is that this, that Paul is not inferior to these so-called super apostles. But the second thing we learn about is Paul's service to the Corinthians. And we've heard of this before, uh, what we see in verses 7 through 11. And it is this, that Paul did not take money from the Corinthians. Now some in the church would like for all ministers to do that. Not take money. Paul is not saying that. But for his particular purpose, and for the growth of the Corinthians, for the growth of the church, Paul decided not to take money. That was another accusation uh, against Paul. He says in verse 7, Or did I sin, lowering myself to exalt you, uh, because free of charge I proclaimed to you the gospel of God? The accusation against Paul is that his gospel is not worthy of his name because he offered it free of charge. But here Paul wanted to offer it free of charge so that no one would be able to accuse him of any financial dependence on the church. Paul did not sin in bringing the gospel to the Corinthians free of charge. Paul understood that nothing should hinder the proclamation of Christ's gospel. Now maybe you ask, well, would you bring it free of charge? Yes, I would. 
I, I would do whatever I had to do to bring the gospel, to bring the word to you. Even if you couldn't pay me. You see, Paul understood. He preached the gospel and, and without charge, he doesn't expect others to do the same. But as he says in verse 8, I robbed churches. I robbed other churches. I, I got support from them so that I could preach to you. Now, Paul's verb choice, robbed, uh, appears to be harsh language. But we must understand that the, the churches in Macedonia were different than the church in Corinth. The churches in Macedonia who gave the support, they were poor. They were, they were poor compared to the Christians in Corinth. It was a trade center, wasn't it? But these poverty-stricken churches, they sent support to Paul so that he was able to minister to the church in Corinth. He says in verse 9, while I was with you and needed money, I did not become a burden to anyone. Why? Because of the brothers in Macedonia. Because of the poor Christians in Macedonia who would send money to Paul and they supplied his need and everything so that he was not a burden to the Corinthians. He did not want to be that burden. He had an objective to serve the people in Corinth as their spiritual father, as their pastor, as the proclaimer of the gospel. Were there times where Paul needed money? Yes. But he didn't go to them and say, would you give me money, please? Because just at the right time, those churches of Macedonia would supply the need that Paul had. And as surely as the truth of Christ is in Paul, he says in verse 10, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. Now notice what Paul says. We could do a whole sermon on the first part of that verse, as surely as Christ's truth is in me, it's this, that truth originates in Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't surprise us, does it? Because Jesus tells us that in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, we know that there is objective truth. And all objective truth comes to us through Jesus. Now in a moment, we're going to have Paul speak of Satan. And how these so-called super apostles, they're false apostles, and they're, they, they are listening to the lies of their father. Who is Satan? Well, he is the father of lies. He is the archenemy of Christ and the church. He is the, the serpent in the wilderness who came to our first parents and said, and said, did God really say? The truth is in Christ. Christ is Truth And so truth originates in Jesus Christ and then is disseminated through the gospel to his people. And so if the Corinthians believe the accusations that the false teachers level against Paul, then they are severing ties with the apostle. You know, there, there's nothing, I believe, sadder than when an apostle or even a preacher have accusations made against them and, men, and people they've been ministering to for years, they start to believe them. 
without coming to someone and speaking to them. This is what Paul was facing. Here, Paul understood that these accusations, that if they gain a foothold, they would destroy the church. And so, so he, he, gives, he, he appeals to the truth of Christ. He realizes that the progress of the gospel is at stake. And he asks two questions. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. You see, Paul points to the antagonists who have slandered his name, who have left the impression that Paul did not love the congregation of Corinth. Um, a slander, by the way, that is contrary to the evidence. And the rumor was spread that Paul refusal to request payment for the work performed was an indication that he really didn't care about the Corinthians. He didn't love them. In a way, Paul scolds him. He says, you should know better than that. And so Paul here, he, he loved the people from his heart. He knew that the slanderous remarks were were designed to break that relationship between him and the Corinthians. But then there's a third thing we see, and he goes on to speak about the false apostles in Corinth. Because understand this, whenever there is division in the church, whenever there are rumors in the church, whenever there are these things that are happening, there is a person behind them, and it is Satan himself. And so Paul goes on in verses 12 through 15 to speak of these false apostles. Now he changes the term from so-called super apostle to false apostle. And he says in verse 12, And I will continue to do what I am doing, so I may take away the occasion from those who desire an occasion to be found equal to us in what they boast about. Paul states his determination to abide by the principle of, of working in this way in promoting the gospel. You know, Paul is fully aware of the tactics of these men. And he's going to take away their occasion to be equal with him. You see, false teachers are not equal with biblical ministers who teach and are faithful to the Word of God. Uh, false teachers are not equal with those who, who preach the whole counsel of God, not for fame or for money, but for the salvation of God's people. These false teachers, they could boast of their apostolic status. They could claim to be on the same level as the rest of the apostles, but again, they preached a different gospel, they presented a different spirit, and they would never be on the level as the apostles appointed by Jesus. And Paul says as much. They're, the boasting by these false teachers, they were based upon fraud. With one aim, to bring Paul down to their level and destroy his apostleship. And so who's behind it? Paul tells us. He says in verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, posing as apostles of Christ. Now this tells us something 
of those who claim to be apostles today. There are no apostles. There are no apostles in the church of Christ. That was for a period of time. They have all died. There is no apostle in the church of Jesus Christ. So what does that tell us concerning such men and even women who call themselves such? They are false apostles and they are liars and they are deceitful. And you should not listen to them. Matter of fact, I don't know how many of you ever watched TBN, but it's probably good just to skip over that altogether. These so-called apostles, they're false apostles. This makes equality with Paul impossible. You know, someone can be a witness by giving false testimony, but it is not possible to be an apostle and preach a gospel that is not the gospel. It is not possible to be a true minister of the gospel and preach another gospel. Again, apostles are appointed by Christ, recognized by the church, committed to the truth. False apostles, these apostles that Paul speaks of here, they were never appointed, they were never recognized, they were never committed. They were never commissioned by Jesus. Jesus did not send these men to Corinth. The church did not send these men to Corinth, even though they had their, their letters of recommendation, but not from the, the church in Jerusalem, not from those who had authority. These men lacked authority to serve. So Paul gets to the point, doesn't he, in verse 14, no wonder Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. Paul sees behind these men and he sees what's really, who's really behind them. It is Satan. Now I believe that can be said for any false doctrine that is tried to be brought into the church. Any false teaching. You see, Paul was well acquainted with Satan. He was well acquainted with his attacks and he knew well of his enemies. And Satan is the arch enemy of, of God, of Christ. We see it back at the very beginning. You've heard me say time and time again why we need to go back to the beginning because we see so much at the beginning. If we get the first three chapters, or really the first 11 chapters of Genesis wrong, we get the rest of the Bible wrong. If we go wrong on creation, 6, 24 hour days, then you're going to go wrong on the gospel of Christ. It is that important. And what do we see in Genesis 3? We see this one that Paul calls out Satan coming at that time in the form of a serpent. Did God really say? And that's what every false teacher does today. Did God really say? Did God really say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Yes. Did, did God really say there's no other gospel but the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. And Paul reminds us that there are times where Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. But there is darkness within him. And darkness and light, they have no fellowship with one another. And Satan is constantly trying to Frustrate the purposes of God by posing even as an angel of light, Paul says. 
Now that tells us Satan does have some power. Any power he has has been given to him by God. Because Satan is a created being. He's an angel. I created him. But he can masquerade as an angel of light. He has power to perform great and miraculous signs to deceive people. And again, to deceive even the elect if it were possible. But through the Word of God, what happens? The darkness is dispelled and we see light. And so Paul says in verse 15, So it is no surprise if his servants, Satan's servants, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. It's no surprise that these false apostles would say that they were true apostles and try to look the part, try to sound the part. But they are disguising themselves. Now, I'm sure all of us have probably had a friend at one time or another who we thought was a real friend. But it was all a disguise. Because the moment they, they, they had opportunity, they stabbed you in the back over whatever it was. And you realize very soon, well, chalk one up, I learned something. But people disguise themselves all the time. They, they don't want the real them to be seen. And here, these men were disguising themselves as servants, as true preachers of the gospel. But Paul says they're not. And guess what? Only one thing awaits them. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And what is their end? Hell. Jesus warned the disciples not to lead one of His little ones astray. Why? Because it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and dropped into the sea. Now most people think that's only talking about children. I think there's application, but there's talking about the people of God. And so why does Paul say all of this? Because it is time for the Corinthians as a church to stand up, to unmask these imposters and expel them from their midst. It is time for the church to be the church. And so what application can we make here this morning? Well again, the mark of an apostle. What is that? It, it, is, it is to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus. Is there any man or woman today that has physically seen the resurrected Christ. No. To preach the entire account of God's truth. Have you ever listened to one of these so-called apostles? Will they ever tackle the hard passages of Scripture? Will they ever tell you, as I do in love, that you're a despicable, wicked sinner apart from Christ with no hope in this life or the next? No, they won't. Why? Because then they won't have big churches or fancy cars or an airplane to fly. These so-called apostles today, they do not speak the words of... Well, they, let me take that out. They do speak the words of the sender. Satan. 
But the true apostles in Paul's day, they spoke the words of Christ. And so again, they're not apostles today, but they are preachers of God's Word. And the preacher must do what? Speak the words of the sender. Who is the sender? It's Jesus. To, to preach the whole counsel of God, to preach the Word in season and out of season, not to omit anything, and to give that to the people of God. And let me just say this, what you get out of this sermon today is what you're putting into it. If you stayed up too late last night or half asleep, then don't think you should be getting anything out of this today. If you do not adequately prepare your hearts to come and worship on this day, then don't be surprised when you don't get anything out of the sermon. But the preacher has been appointed to preach. To proclaim the Word of God. To preach Christ and Him crucified. And yes, that is our message. And we find it in the Old and New Testaments. We see Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so a true minister of the Gospel, that's what He does. He doesn't seek to lead you astray. He seeks to minister to you. And so the second application is this. If there are false teachers in our midst, the church must put them quickly out. Now we have the Bible, do we not? Our only rule of faith and practice. But we also have something else to keep us in right doctrine. And it is the Westminster Standards. That's why every ruling elder and deacon, every minister, uh, we have to subscribe fully to that doctrine because it is a biblical doctrine. And may none of us ever think we're smarter than Westminster divines. But it keeps us on the right path, doesn't it? They don't cover everything. But, but every major doctrine we find in there. And what a joy it is to be a confessional Presbyterian church. What a joy it is now to be a part of a denomination that we don't just pay lip service to the confession and say, well, we believe most things, but there's certain things we just got to push off because we don't really like those. No, it's our confession. It's what we believe. It's biblical and it's right. But if false teachers begin to, to rear their ugly head and take us away from Scripture, take us away from the Reformed faith, we must stop them. Why? Because Satan is behind it. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy this church. And if you don't think he does, then get your head out of the sand this morning. Because things are happening behind the scenes that you don't know of. And it's Satan trying to destroy this church. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. The darkness is the realm of Satan. God dwells in unapproachable light.
And so who are you going to believe this morning? Satan or God? Again, Satan is the father of lies. He masquerades himself as an angel. He might look good on the outside. He might send that, that, that man that has all the right features that people are naturally drawn to like Saul in the Old Testament. Why did they want him as king? Because he was tall and handsome. And God said, okay, you're going to get what you asked for. And they did. And so the man might look really good. He might speak eloquently. Because he's masquerading as an angel of light. But behind him is Satan. How do you know? Because he begins to cast doubt upon the Word of God. He begins to cast doubt upon the doctrines that we hold dear as the church. And they always begin small, right? That's what Satan does. Did God really say? And then before long, the church is led astray. And if brave men do not step in to stop it, the church of Jesus Christ will then become a synagogue of Satan. And so who will you believe? Satan or Christ? What did Christ come to do? He came to save His people from their sins. Part of that salvation, part of that was saving us from the realm of Satan. Saving us in our bondage. And bringing us to Christ. You know, Jesus spoke to the religious leaders of His day. And they thought they had it all right, right? They had all the right doctrine in their mind. They, they, they were strict observers of the law of God. No one could do it better than them. They actually believed that Jesus was a lawbreaker because they were better at keeping the law than Him, at least outwardly in their minds. And, and, they, and what did Jesus say to them? You are of your father, the devil. That's not nice. See, Jesus saw their hearts. And every false teacher, every person who says to you, there is no other, there, there are many other ways to heaven. There's other gospels than the one true gospel. Oh, do not worry about it. Everyone's going to get there just as long as they believe something. That is from the very pits of hell. And any man that brings you another gospel, any man that calls you away from the Word of God, do not listen to him. Do not entertain him in the least bit. Because they come from the pit of hell. And their end will correspond to their deeds. But our end, doesn't correspond to our deeds. Aren't you glad of that? Your end does not correspond to your deeds. It corresponds to the deeds of Christ. Because if our end corresponded to our deeds, we would be put in hell. But it's because of the finished work of Jesus. 
And it is that gospel that has saved so many of us here this morning. It is that gospel that calls sinners even now to faith in Jesus as you turn from your sins. It is that gospel that we should be willing to die for. Because it is that gospel that is the good news that transforms that transformed Saul, the persecutor of the church, to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, who was in no way inferior to those super apostles. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And, O Lord, may we see that there is spiritual warfare going on. And, and Father, we ask that we, would, that we would trust You. For this is Your church. It is the church of Christ. And we know that Your church will prevail. Father, be with us this morning. And I pray now for any who are here that does not know Christ, that You would save them. That You would free them from their bondage and set them free in Jesus. And Father, may we defend the faith no matter what. May we defend the faith that You have passed down to us by way of the saints. And O Lord, may we not be ashamed of that faith. And may we contend for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.